All right, all right, all right. If you can make your way to your seat if you're not there already. Thank you for being here this morning. We are two weeks away from Christmas. How many of you are ready? Have all of your shopping done? All of it? Wow. Bobby, good job. All right. Uh, how many of you still have shopping to do? Still have shopping to do? Yeah? Right. Yep, me too. Uh, I have to shop for one person, and I haven't even finished yet. So, um, hey, did you notice in that song, In a Way in a Manger, there was a line in there that I never kind of recognized, and it, it said, the dawn of salvation beginning to break. And I leaned over, I was sitting by Michael right over here, uh, uh, and I just leaned over, I'm like, that is a great line. You think about that morning when Jesus was born, it was the dawn of salvation beginning to break. How incredible is that? What, what an incredible message to the world that we live in, and, and very aptly, it really does serve the spirit of Christmas, right? And um, so, you know what else serves the spirit of Christmas? Christmas Eve serves. So, uh, here's the thing. We still need some people to sign up. If you're, if you're new here, you're not familiar with here at Lighthouse, one of our big things is on Christmas Eve, we go out into our community and we serve our community. We take meals out people who are working who would prefer not to be working on Christmas Eve. We go to places like uh, 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 let me see, fire stations, gas stations, police stations, 911 call centers. We go to the homeless uh, encampment. We take things to them. Uh, we, go to, uh, we go to, I don't know what to call them, where old people gather together and live. What are those called? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, uh, we go there. We Christmas carol there, okay? And so we have some we have some needs, some areas to fill on Christmas Eve. Serve. We need some people to um, to make turkeys for us, like to cook them, not make them. You can't do that. But we need you to cook them. And we've got the turkeys. We can give you the turkey. We just need people to cook them. Okay, we also, we also uh, need people to sign up to go and to take meals and donations to the homeless. Jody Larson is our person who leads that. She's been doing that, I think, for years now and has a great familiarity. And you want to talk about people who are close to the heart of God. It's those people who are living in the homeless encampments. What a great opportunity to go and serve. And then finally, uh, the other area that we need is we just need people to volunteer to go Christmas caroling at those places um, where older uh, uh, veterans of life gather together and live. I, I just am trying to figure out a great way to say it, and I am retirement home. There you go. Thank you. Okay, to go to retirement homes where old people gather together and live. <laughs> anyway, uh, go there and sing carols. This is a great one for families. Okay, this is a great one for families to gather together and go and just sing. It's a great time. And then afterwards, we're all gathering together here. Usually we gather in Bronson Park. But because Christmas is on Sunday this year, Christmas Eve, we're going to gather together here for one giant service. Okay, so we encourage you to be here at 6 o'clock for that Christmas Eve service. It'll be an hour or less. Okay, so there you have it. Anybody here know what this is? It's a domino, right? Anybody play dominoes? Raise your hands. Dominoes? Dominoes players in the house of the Lord? Okay. 
uh, sinners? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, dominoes. I don't know, I don't really know how to play dominoes, okay? I, I, I do kind of, I've got the basic concept, but you know what else dominoes are good for? Dominoes are good for, you know, substitute Lincoln logs, and they're also great for setting up to knock over, right? To make dominoes. Anybody do that? That's a primary for me is to set them up to knock them over. I was, I was looking and reading. Uh, in 2013, there's a group of people in Germany who set the Guinness Book of World Records for a domino fall. They set up 277,275 dominoes. World record. It took 12 people eight days to set it up. And I know you're probably thinking, like I am, those people need to get a life, okay? 277,275 dominoes. They set up a swirl, right? The swirl, 55,000 dominoes just in the swirl, okay? And here's the amazing thing. Do you know how it all started? Do you know how that whole domino thing got started? One domino. Right? It took one domino. That's the guy right there. That started 277,000 set up dominoes to fall. And yet, it takes one. It takes just one domino to get the whole thing going. And you know, as we talk about Christmas, and we talk about what happened and the spirit of Christmas, we're reminded that the whole process of Christmas, the whole process started with one push. The whole process started with one domino, if you will. And that domino was named Mary. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that on that morning, Jesus, when you were born, the truth of the song we sang this morning went into effect. The dawn of salvation beginning to break. Oh my goodness gracious. If we can't get excited about that, I, we must be dead. Salvation began for us that morning. And today as we talk about that process, we talk about the individuals involved in that morning. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would challenge us to see the truth of the spirit of Christmas. Thank you for being here with us, God. Bless this time. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So that domino, that domino by the name of Mary, it's an interesting story in Luke chapter 1. I'll tell it to you. So the beginning of Luke chapter 1 talks about how Mary, or excuse me, Martha, uh, uh, Mary's cousin, excuse me, Elizabeth, wow, I'm all over the place, I'm so excited, Elizabeth, Mary's cousin was pregnant six months pregnant and it was miraculous it was miraculous that she was even pregnant because of her age they had thought that she and her husband were barren and God blessed them with the child and it said that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy an angel of the Lord Gideon came to visit Mary 
And the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, you who are highly favored. And it's interesting because the angel of the Lord did, or it doesn't say that Mary was afraid, okay? It actually says that Mary was greatly troubled. It says that Mary was greatly troubled. Gabriel, the angel, shows up. If, if you were to, to be sitting and doing whatever it is you're doing, maybe in the quiet of the morning, you're having your cup of coffee and, and maybe you're, you're reading the Bible and praying or, or, or maybe you're catching up on the news of the day, you're on your computer, your tablet, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, poof, an angel of the Lord appears. Wouldn't you be terrified? I mean, we read later on in Luke's, uh, Luke's account of what happened that, that the shepherds on the hillside, it says that they were terrified. And the angel of the Lord comes to her. And he says to her, Gabriel says to her, he says, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the next words don't say she was scared. They don't say she was terrified like, like, those, uh, like those shepherds on the side of the hill. It says Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Greatly troubled at his words. He, she, she was concerned about what he was saying. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. What could this possibly mean? I'd be terrified. She's troubled by the words of the Lord. And then the angel says to her, he talks to her, begins to say to her, he says, don't be afraid, Mary, which is kind of interesting because I don't think she was afraid. He says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the most high God. The son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I, I'm kind of picturing that in that moment, Gabriel is pumped. He's excited. He is overwhelmed with enthusiasm and excitement. Because the, the, the moment that humanity has been waiting for, the moment that Israel has been praying for, for thousands of years they've been praying for the Messiah to come. They've been waiting for this moment. And he is sharing that Mary is the one who's going to bring forth that child. Who's going to bring forth the Messiah. The salvation of Israel and the world. Mary's concerned in this moment. She says, I'm a virgin. How am I going to give birth to a child? And for you and I to know in this moment, it's not just the fact that she's a virgin, but while she is technically married to Joseph, she is not formally married to Joseph. They have not had relations that would produce a child. And in their honor and shame culture, this would be, according to the Old Testament, if Mary was found to be with child, without being married, she could be killed for this. you got to think that's kind of tumbling there in her mind somewhere, wouldn't you? 
You got to think that that's kind of going through her mind, that the shame that has come upon this, it would be there. That simply being pregnant with this child could lead to her own death. And she says, how can this be? How can this be? Because I am a virgin. And then it says this. The angel of the Lord said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And as if kind of given her an idea of, of this is truth, this is how Elizabeth, your cousin, is in her sixth month of pregnancy, which would have been eye-opening to Mary, right? And that angel says, your cousin is pregnant, the one who nobody ever thought would have a child, she's pregnant. That's the proof that God is doing this. And then Mary answers in a way that I think we always kind of think is, is kind of neat, We've, we've read it so many times that it's almost kind of syrupy and saccharine that, that she says to the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. But you and I don't take into account the heaviness of those words. Mary is not formally married. And you can't hide a pregnancy for very long. And the whole story of Joseph and how he responds in this is mind-blowing. But we don't have time to go through that. In the Jesus narrative, there are two people. There are two presences that are there. There are two entities or persons who were consistent presences throughout the life of Jesus. From there from the beginning, through to the end, and then to the beginning again. The first one is obviously Mary, right? I mean, Mary was there for the birth of Jesus. She was there for the death of Jesus. We know this because in John, John chapter 19 says, while Jesus is hanging on the cross, he looks down and it says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, which was John, Standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, John took her, Jesus' mother, into his own home and treated her basically like his own mother. But we know that Jesus was at, or Mary was at the cross because it says when Jesus saw his mother there. Mary was there when Jesus died on the cross. And the interesting thing is that when Jesus rose again, and the disciples were waiting in the upper room, waiting for the promised Holy Spirit to show up. Mary was there. How do we know? Because in Acts chapter 1, it tells us the disciples gathered together in the upper room in Jerusalem to wait for the promise that God the Father had made to them. And we typically think, you know, we think uh, disciples, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Da, da 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 you know, and a bunch of other people. And we don't remember that Mary was actually there. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says, They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Mary was there in the beginning. 
She was there at the end, and she was there at the beginning again of life, salvation, and power. There was one other person who was there throughout the entirety of Jesus' life on earth. There was one who was there. He was obviously there in the end, but we forget that he was there in the beginning of, as well. And that's the Holy Spirit. We know the Holy Spirit was there in the end, but we forget that the Holy Spirit was there in the beginning. Luke tells us, he says, the angel answered Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit will be there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit consistently was there. And it's interesting to me to take a side note that it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That's a phrase that we read time and time and time again in the Old Testament, right? Whenever you think of David and Samson and Ezekiel and Gideon, all of those times it says the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. The Spirit of the Lord was upon them. Luke chapter 1 the angel says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now here's the difference. The Spirit of the Lord was on them, but the Spirit of the Lord was not in them. And that's a big difference. The Spirit of the Lord was on them, but the Spirit of the Lord was not in them. Luke doesn't write and say that the angel said the Holy Spirit is going to fill you. The Holy Spirit is going to, to dwell within you. It's not what he says. The Spirit, he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Okay? When we were in, in our series talking through the book of Acts, remember that? We were talking through that series called Unleashed. And we talked about how throughout the Older Testament and up through that time at Pentecost um, in the New Testament... People only got a taste of the Holy Spirit. If you were here, you remember we talked about how it's kind of like when you go to Costco and, and you get free samples of food, right? That's my favorite thing at Costco. Love going there when I'm hungry at lunchtime and just sampling and resampling just to see what I like and might buy, but it probably won't, right? But we get those samples. Why do they give those free samples? Because they're wetting your appetite. They're making you want more and ultimately to buy it. Well, that's kind of what happened in the whole Older Testament. Those people got just enough to want more. They got just enough for the day. They, they, the Holy Spirit was upon them but wasn't in them. And during the Older Testament, through the New Testament, up until Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came... The Holy Spirit was on them, but wasn't in them. God was like, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to be like. And they just got a sample. They just got a taste. It was just enough to want more, to be excited for the day when the Holy Spirit wasn't just on them, but the Holy Spirit was in them personally and forever, permanently. 
it wasn't until God became flesh and lived among us. It wasn't until Jesus was born and died and rose again and ascended into heaven that the Holy Spirit was permanently unleashed on humanity, here forever, not resting upon us, but dwelling and living in us. See, Christmas was a twofer. Christmas was a twofer. We got Jesus. That's what Christmas morning is all about. Jesus came to provide the means for our salvation. Jesus came to provide the way for us to get to heaven. The Holy Spirit is here to make sure we get there. The Holy Spirit is here to lead and guide. He is our advocate. He is our wise, wise counsel. He is the power in this life. And whenever anything big is happening in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is there. Whether you're talking about David and Ezekiel and Samson or any others, man, back to the beginning. This is so crazy cool to me. In the beginning of time, in Genesis chapter 1, you read that when God created the heavens and the earth, it says that the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And boom, creation happened. In Luke chapter 1, it tells us that the Holy Spirit was there. And boom, Mary conceived and gave birth to the Messiah. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it blows the roof off of the upper room. Not literally, but figuratively. And the world has not been the same since. The Holy Spirit was there in the beginning of the world. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of our redemption and our salvation. He was there then. And he is here now. The joy of Christmas is not just the birth of Jesus. It's not just the birth of the Christ child. It is the permanent and everlasting residence of the Holy Spirit in this powerless, chaotic, and broken world that we live in. The power that brought a child to a Middle Eastern teenage virgin. The power that that brought a Messiah, the Messiah, into physical form. The power that resurrected him permanently from the dead is the power and spirit of Christmas. And that power is available to us today. That power gives us hope. And that, my friends, is why Christmas is hope. Christmas is hope. Wherever you are, whoever you are, Whatever you've done in your past, it doesn't matter because Christmas is hope. The spirit of Christmas is alive today. Listen, we don't adore a baby. We celebrate a Savior. We don't worship an infant. We serve the Messiah. God is alive. 
The Spirit of God is here and is present. We live because He lives. And that is the hope that Christmas brings. We live because He lives. We move forward because the power of of Christmas, the Spirit of Christmas lives within us. Those of us who follow Jesus. And that, my friends, is the good news. That is the good news of Christmas. That we have hope. That we have hope. We live in a time, there's never been a time in my life that's been like the times that we're living in right now. So chaotic, so divided, so much pain and suffering and war and rumors of war and all of these things going on around us. But we have hope. Christmas is hope. And no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what is in your past, no matter how broken your heart may be, maybe you lost a loved one this year, maybe you lost a job this year, maybe there's been depression that has been happening you day and night where you can't even sleep. But Christmas is hope. And the power that brought forth that child is the spirit of Christmas. And that power is available to you and to me to give us hope today and in the future. Would you stand up with me and let's bow our heads together. Father, we come to you this morning. And we are so thankful that in a world that is divided geographically and politically and ideologically, in a world that is filled with pain and suffering and death, in a world that is overwhelmed with division and chaos, we have in the back of our heads ringing out peace be with you. We have in the back of our minds those words peace on earth and goodwill to all upon whom God's favor rests. And Lord, so many times I try to make it through times like this on my own. So many times I try to make it through hard times, tough times, depressing times in my own spirit, understanding that I can never fully get past what is lurking in my mind and dwelling in my heart. And the only way that I can have that peace on earth, the only way that I can, I can live in the hope of Christmas 
is by being filled with the spirit of Christmas. By being filled with you, Holy Spirit. And so I pray for my friends today as we move forward in this Christmas time. As we buy presents, decorate trees, put up lights, sing carols. That we would not be distracted from the fact that the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And they named him Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. Thank you that we don't have to walk alone. Thank you that we have your spirit to live in us, not just be upon us, but in us. May we remember that this Christmas season and bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. We love you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.